Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you are tuning in for our series, Wind and Fire, where we are seeking a deeper encounter with the Holy Spirit. Get ready to ignite your spiritual life with holy fire. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Liquid Church. I want to welcome all of our Liquid campuses joining us today, as well as everybody watching from laptops, smartphones, TVs. Feel free to leave a comment in the chat or on Facebook letting us know where you're joining us from. Now, I'm Pastor Kyra, and I am so glad that you're joining us for our church-wide small group series, Wind and Fire. This is a series on the Holy Spirit. And for the past two weeks, we have been learning that the Holy Spirit is a person, a who, not a what. Last Sunday, Pastor Tim talked about experiencing the Holy Spirit. And he taught us that the Holy Spirit's number one job is to make the love of our Heavenly Father feel real. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the way that we experience God's manifest presence in our hearts, through what we call the big hug. Uh, Last week, I saw a woman with a new hair bag. So I made a beeline for her and I could tell that she had been crying. So I asked her, did you enjoy our services? And she said to me, you don't understand. I came today because my boss comes to Liquid and she invited me. She knows I've been struggling. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I walked away from all of that, but I feel like I don't belong anywhere. I don't belong with my friends who drink, and I don't belong with people who've never struggled with addiction. But something made me come today, and I was just sitting in my car, and I couldn't stop crying. And so I finally made it out of the car, and everyone was so nice to me. They gave me coffee, and I come inside the auditorium, and I heard the music, and I'm like, no one told me there was going to be a concert. And then I really couldn't stop crying because the songs were great. And then the guy came out, the pastor, is that what you call him? And he starts, you know, telling me that I'm adopted, that God chose me. And all I could think of is of all the days that I could have come to church, I come the day that the pastor says I belong here. And she just started to cry. And I just looked at her and I said, my friend, you have just experienced the big hug. That is God the Father showing you just how much he loves you. Isn't it amazing, church? Say amen if you agree. And if that was your experience last Sunday, I praise God. Let us know about it. And if it wasn't, keep coming. I want to invite you to keep coming because we're going to keep going deeper and deeper in this series because we want everyone to experience the power of the Holy Spirit's presence in our midst. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the felt presence of God and his number one job is to help us experience and understand that we are children dearly loved by our daddy in heaven. And because God loves us so much, he doesn't just want to give us the big hug. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit today and every day, which is what we're going to talk about today. I want to share a message with you that I've titled Baptism in the Spirit. Now, what does it mean to be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit? And where does that phrase come from anyway? 
Well, if you recall, in week one, we actually looked at Jesus's promise before he returned to heaven. And he told his disciples in the book of Acts, he said, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now that promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost when the disciples were all huddled together in the upper room. They were praying and waiting for this promise to come true. And I want you to recall, a violent wind blew through the room with tongues of fire resting over each of them. That's where we get our series title, Wind and Fire. Because for the first time, People were baptized in the Spirit and it permanently indwelt by the Spirit of Jesus and the church was born. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about what it means to be full of the Spirit. There's a Greek word that best describes what it means to be filled with the Spirit. It's the word pleru, which means to make full. God wants to put his very own self his power and his strength inside of you. And he wants to baptize you with his spirit. Now, how many of you, show of hands, have heard the phrase baptized in the spirit before? Let me see, show of hands, couple of you. Who's never actually heard of that phrase? Like who can admit they have no idea what I'm talking about? Because if that's you, I wanna tell you today, you're not alone. It actually happened in the book of Acts. There were a group of men who had no idea there was even a Holy Spirit. I wanna invite you to open up your Bible to Acts 19, and we're gonna read, it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. In other words, they're like, the Holy Spirit, who that? Remember, we've been talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. But these guys here, they had never personally met him. They hadn't even heard about the Holy Spirit. These guys were total noobs. They had no idea and had never heard of the Holy Spirit. I want to read it to you again. Paul asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? In other words, Paul's like, hey, are you guys followers of Jesus? Something made him ask that. We don't know what it was. But the men, at least they're honest, because they say, no, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. Now I can imagine Paul sort of scratching his head, hearing the men's response. He's probably thinking, wait, so you're disciples, but you don't know the Holy Spirit? Which is why his next question is to ask, then what baptism did you receive? And the men reply, John's baptism. Now, here's a little Bible trivia question for you guys. Do you know which John they're referring to? You guys remember John the Baptist? He's the guy who ate grasshoppers with wild honey. Yum, right? Said no one ever. Uh, we know he was Jesus's cousin sent to prepare the way for Jesus. So these disciples that Paul ran into in Ephesus probably had a basic understanding of who Jesus was and what his ministry was about. And they probably got that much through the message of John the Baptist. They were most likely either baptized by John himself or by some of John's disciples. The problem is that their baptism 
was an old school, Old Testament baptism. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that while John's baptism pointed people to Jesus, it didn't take people to salvation itself. Why? Because only Jesus can do that. And that's why John the Baptist himself would actually tell people, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is way more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, these men were completely prepared to embrace Jesus fully, thanks to the teachings of John the Baptist. They must have sensed, we need to trust in Jesus. We need to believe in everything that he has done. And we want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. How do I know? Because I want you to look at what happens next. Paul says to them, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one who was coming after him. That is in who church? Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. In other words, these men first got saved, then they got soaked. They took the plunge and they got baptized. Because baptism literally means to soak. So the men professed their belief in Jesus. They went in the water. They got soaked. And that's why today I want to talk about three soakings. The first one is soaking at salvation. Now, this is the initial soaking or the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit that we receive when we first become followers of Jesus. In other words, think about it this way. Whenever you make the decision to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Bible says we are sealed in that moment for the day of redemption. I love how Ephesians 1 says it. When you believed, you were marked by him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. In other words, you receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. Make sense? Last week, that happened to many of you. I saw some of you stand up and you prayed to receive Christ. I want to tell you, at that moment, you were marked by him with a seal. The Holy Spirit has put a stamp on you, and now you are in the forever family of God. You've been adopted into his family, and that can never be taken away from you. Amen, church? Even if you came home on a high from church on Sunday, but by Monday morning, you were kind of wondering, was any of that real? You have been sealed forever. That's what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit. He comes on you. He seals you forever. And he promises, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you always. And if that was you last week, then your next step is to do what they did right here in the story of Acts, which is the second soaking, soaking in water. I want to invite you to go back to our story of today and look at verse 5. It says this, On hearing this, they, meaning the men, were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So I want you to notice the sequence. First, there's salvation. You get sealed with the Holy Spirit. And then there's soaking in water. That is what we call a believer's baptism. You guys know who started it? 
The answer is Jesus himself. Jesus was baptized by none other than John the Baptist. I want to invite you to look at Matthew 3. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. So understand that Jesus modeled for us that we're actually to follow him through the waters of baptism. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter, Jesus' disciple, said this command to every person. He replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive what, church? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you see how it's all connected? You are saved by your faith in Christ. Then the Holy Spirit comes on you and he seals you forever. And the next thing you do is you get soaked in water. Can I just tell you, there is something so special about getting baptized. As a pastor, many times I hear people question, I don't know if I'm doing the will of God or not. And if that's you, I want to let you know there is one moment in your life that I guarantee 100% you are smack dab in the center of your father's will for your life. And it happens when you get baptized or soaked in water. Guys, I know for some of you, this moment has already come. You've made your decision to follow Jesus. And now it's time to declare that publicly. That's why baptism is your next step. So I want to invite you to spring baptisms at Liquid. At Liquid, we typically baptize people twice a year. And our next baptism Sunday is actually going to take place on Sunday, April 10th. So understand, if you are ready to declare for all to see that you are a follower of Jesus, baptism, going under the water, soaking in water, just like Jesus did, is your next step. So I want to invite you to sign up online at liquidchurch.com baptism. And if you have any questions, you want to check out our FAQ on our website, you will be able to answer all of them. Now, the last type of baptism is the ongoing or continual soaking in the spirit, which is the baptism that I want to focus on today. And to do that, I want to go back to the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit at the time of salvation and being filled with the Holy Spirit in our regular day-to-day lives. Did you guys know there is actually a difference between receiving the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit? Every single person who has declared Jesus, as their Savior, has received the Spirit. But just because you've received the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're full of the Spirit. I actually love this quote from Charles Spurgeon that explains it this way. I am afraid some of you will have to admit that you hardly know whether there be any Holy Spirit. And others will have to confess that Though they have enjoyed a little of his saving work, 
they do not know much of his ennobling and sanctifying influence. Translation, just because you received the Spirit doesn't mean that you're full of the Spirit. Some of you are full of it, no doubt, but it's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Remember, even though you have the Spirit, you're not always full of the Spirit. Church, you've probably heard the phrase, once saved, always saved, yeah? Well, let me be clear. That is 100% true and accurate. Your salvation does not depend on you. It didn't start with you, and it's the Holy Spirit who seals it. So your salvation can never be taken away from you. Amen? Your sin can't outrun God's grace. So you can't lose your salvation. So understand, once saved, always saved is true. However, it is not once filled, always full. Why? Because we leak. I want you to turn to your neighbor. And I want you to tell them, you leak. Church, when we started this series, we learned that the word for spirit in the Old Testament was ruach. And in the New Testament, it's pneuma, which means the breath of God. God wants to fill us with his breath, with his spirit every day. So when you come to church and you love the worship, and you soak in that new song, Revival, and you just love it. God's Spirit fills you up. And then as you prayed, you felt God's Spirit give you the big hug, like that woman that I shared about, and watch what happens. There is more filling of the Spirit inside of you. Maybe you go to small group this week and you had a powerful prayer time. Fellow believers laid their hands on you, encourage you, watch. You get filled with the Spirit. But then mm, the next day comes around and you get on 287 and unfortunately post-COVID traffic is back. Someone cuts you off. You have a few choice words to say, so you leak. And then you get to work and your husband, your boss is like, hey, how come you're late, dude? Like some people are working for a living, you know? So you actually uh, leak a little more. And then you get ready for your presentation, which you have been working so hard on. And you open up your MacBook, but instead of getting to your presentation, all you get is the rainbow wheel of death. You know what I'm talking about, right? So you actually leak a little more. And then finally, you're leaving the office. The day is over. And even though you're married, someone passes you by and they look good. So you actually do the double take. And guess what happens? You leak even more. Now watch. All of the filling of the Holy Spirit that you got on Sunday at church is leaked. Guys, anybody ever get to Friday and feel like this? I want you to take a look at this. Do you still have the breath of God in you? Yes, of course you do. Remember, you were sealed at salvation. But we get deflated, don't we? Want to know why? Because God is spirit, but we are flesh. 
and flesh leaks. That's why we need fresh fillings. Every day, we need more filling of the Spirit. Every moment, more fillings of the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I need fresh fillings every hour of every day. Amen? Now, back in November, our family traveled to Puerto Rico to visit our family for the first time since the pandemic started. And I don't know about you, but guys, just imagine traveling with kids in the middle of a global pandemic with one child who has special needs is a highly stressful situation, okay? So on the ride to the airport, our family prayed. We said, God, we entrust our travel to you. And I said, Lord, would you fill me with your spirit so that I can have patience and joy as I go through all of the mundane tasks of air travel? So we get to the airport and the lines are through the roof because it's Thanksgiving week. So of course my heart sinks a little, but I take a deep breath and I grab my two kids and all of our luggage while my husband goes to park our car in the airport. So we check in, we get our luggage tags, we're waiting in line to drop off all of our luggage. It's over an hour later by the time that we get to TSA, the security line. And I'm already feeling a little frazzled from the stress of keeping track of codes, boarding passes, making sure Andy keeps his mask on. I see the line from security beckoning. We start to go through it until all of a sudden my son Andy refuses to part with his soccer ball. He wants to go through the security machine with it and good luck trying to get him to release his grip on that soccer ball. But finally, of course, people are waiting behind him. I tell him, Andy, if you don't give me that ball, you won't get your iPad on the plane. And guess what happened, church? He let go of that ball faster than you can say the I in iPad. But now the ball has to go through the x-ray machine. So I'm waiting for it. And I send my older daughter. I said, honey, sit with, sit with Andy uh, so that I can watch the ball and focus on getting all of our stuff. And time just ticks on by. And the ball is nowhere to be found. And I'm starting to get annoyed. I'm watching the clock tick by. And all I'm thinking is, how much further is it to this gate? I'm watching my son Andy with one eye. I'm watching our belongings with another. I have no idea where my husband is at this point. And all of a sudden, I hear a woman say, excuse me, I need to get my things because I'm standing blocking her ability to get to the bins where people put the stuff. You know what I'm talking about, right? Church, I actually pretend I can't hear her, even though she says it again. I need my things, miss. But I'm so hyper-focused on getting Andy's ball so that I can get on with my travel plans. I don't move until finally she taps me on the shoulder and she says, I need to get my things. Church, I will confess to you that all of my anxiety, all of my annoyance, and all of my Puerto Rican hot-blooded temperament gets the best of me. And I have this visceral reaction where I just turn around and I just say, can you just give me a friggin' minute? And my daughter, who's sitting with my son Andy, watching the whole thing, takes one look at me 
And she says, Mom, you're a pastor. Ah, church. I wish that that wasn't a true story, but it is. Why? Because the reality is that we all leak. In fact, my daughter later on said to me during the plane ride, you know, Mom, that lady could go to liquid one day. And she's going to take one look at you, and then what are you going to do? And I just felt so bad because I'd started the day prayed up, but minute by minute, all of the patience, all of the joy that I asked the Lord to fill me with deflated like one big balloon. We all leak because our flesh is weak. So understand that even though we say filled with the Spirit, as in past tense, the act of being filled is not a one-time experience. It is actually an ongoing process. It is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment, hour-by-hour choice. The biblical norm is for us to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 actually tells us, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with what, church? The Spirit. Do you know what that means? What the literal translation of the word filled is? It is a future tense verb. It means that you're literally, continually, ongoing. You are going to be filled in an ongoing way. In other words, it is not a one-time thing, church. Now, how do you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Like, what's the evidence that I'm filled with the Spirit of God? Well, I want to invite you to go back to the original text, and I want to invite you to look at verse 6. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in what church? Tongues and prophesied. Now remember, by this point, these men have been saved. They have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. They were soaked in water. They got baptized. And now they're going to be soaked in the Spirit. What does it mean to, be, to speak in tongues? Well, if you remember from the first week of our series, Pastor Tim taught us that the original tongues were actually foreign languages. It was a supernatural gift that people received so that they could speak in foreign tongues and the gospel could spread. But in Corinthians, Paul is actually telling us that speaking in tongues can also represent speech addressed to God in a personal prayer language. In 1 Corinthians, Paul actually says this, Anyone who speaks, speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. In other words, church, speaking in tongues is a form of talking to God, but it's in a language that other people don't understand, including you. You may not even understand. You are uttering praise and prayers in the language of the Holy Spirit himself. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a supernatural gift. It's a private prayer language between you and God. Now, I want to be very clear. Some believers speak in tongues and some believers 
don't speak in tongues, and that's okay. In fact, we have some pastors in our staff who speak in tongues and some who don't. And wouldn't you like to know who's who? But that's because at Liquid, we have both types of believers. And if you don't speak in tongues and you're interested in experiencing that gift, ask God for it. There's always more of the Holy Spirit to experience. Amen? But now listen to me. I want you to be careful. Watch. Some people will tell you that if you don't speak in tongues, you aren't really saved. In fact, they'll actually say you don't even have the Holy Spirit. So they'll lay hands on you because they want you to speak in tongues. They're like, loosen that jaw. And you're like, what is happening? There's all this pressure and it gets weird and it feels forced. Can I just be very clear with you? Speaking in tongues is a natural thing, but it's always a voluntary thing. Some people will want to ask for the gift and some won't. And it's all okay. Why? Because there are no second-class Christians in the kingdom. Amen? In other words, there is nothing wrong with you if you don't speak in tongues. But also, there's always more of God that you can experience. And if you want more, I just want to encourage you, ask for the gift. The key, however, and this is very important, the key is that whether you speak tongues or not, the most important thing, the Bible says, is to build up the church. I love how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians. He actually says, if I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 in a tongue. In other words, I can actually stop preaching right now I can stop explaining God's word. I can invite all of the charismatic people to come up to the front, invite them to speak in tongues. But can I ask, how would that go for you? Would that be helpful for anybody here? I don't think so. Which is why Paul said, I would rather speak five intelligible words about Jesus to you than 10,000 words in my own private prayer language. And that's why at Liquid, we will always emphasize the teaching and preaching of God in a way that everybody can understand and the practice of tongues as a private prayer language. So what's the evidence? Going back to my question, what is the evidence then to know that you are filled with the Spirit. If it's not speaking in tongues, how do you know if you're filled with the Spirit? Well, the answer is that if you're filled with the Spirit, you produce the fruits of the Spirit. Look at Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Church, when we are Filled with the Spirit of God, we produce the fruits of the Spirit. These are character qualities. We're talking about your words, your behaviors. Am I a loving person? Am I patient? Do I have self-control, which I clearly did not in the airport? All of these things, all of these qualities are to ooze out of us in spades when we're filled with the Spirit. All of His love, all of His joy, all of His peace. You don't have to search for it. It will overflow out of your lives. The signs of the Spirit 
aren't just supernatural gifts. They are attitudes of the heart. In every part of our lives, we actually get to live through the power of the Spirit of God in us, no matter the realities of our lives. So understand, when the Spirit of God, the Ruach, the Numa, comes and fills us with his love, fills us with his joy, fills us with his never-ending peace, and we're patient, and we're kind, and we're faithful, and we can exert self-control, we expand so much more than we ever thought possible. We can actually go to new heights because we're not weighted by the things of this world. When someone or something tries to knock us down, guess what happens? We can get back up because the Spirit of God is with us. There is a newfound strength. There is a resilience in our spirit. So church, do you understand that the Spirit of God wants to fill you to overflow? That the Spirit of God wants to breathe in you like wind in sails? That the Spirit of God wants to breathe new life and new vision and new purpose into your lives? Now, I don't know about you, but I want that for my life. I don't want to settle for anything less than all that God wants to give me. I want you to say amen if you agree. So to end our time together, I want to ask you today, who wants to be filled fresh with the Holy Spirit? Because if there is more of the Spirit to be had, and there is, how do you do that? Because I don't know about you, but I would want some, don't you? So how do you do that? The answer is we do what Jesus tells his followers to do in Luke 11. I love this verse. I've always loved it. It's one of my favorites. And here's what it says. Which of you fathers and mothers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Can you imagine, Daddy, can I have an egg? No, but here's a scorpion. We don't do that, right? Well, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give what, church? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I want you to remember two words. You need to ask. Everybody say ask. And you need to empty. Everybody say empty. We ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And we do it genuinely. We ask for the extravagant love of God to fill us. Jesus invited us to ask the Father for the Holy Spirit. And remember, you got to ask every day, constantly. It's ongoing. It's continual. It is not a one-time deal because we leak. Remember, we all leak. And know that when you ask for the Spirit, you got to be prepared because it's actually going to inconvenience your life. The Spirit is actually going to reveal areas in your life in which you don't honor Jesus or that grieve His Spirit. So you ask the Father to fill you with the Spirit, but then you empty yourselves of all the areas where Jesus is not Lord of your life. So in the airport, I actually needed 
to confess and repent of my anger, my impatience, my lack of self-control. I was like, Lord, I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. I needed God to empty me of all these things that were keeping me from experiencing his spirit. Empty me of my flesh so that I can have more of your spirit. After that blow up, the spirit actually prompted me to go to my daughter and apologize to her because she got to witness the worst of her mom. So understand, when you say, Lord, empty me, what you're asking him to do is to empty you of all the fleshly desires that actually become a barrier to experiencing more of his spirit. Because if you want to experience the fullness of God's breath in your life, then you got to empty yourself first. When we want to make room for the spirit, you got to have space for the spirit. So you got to empty yourself. The spirit is going to reveal what that thing is, and it's going to be hard. It will be hard because it may be a relationship that will come up that's not good for you to keep. It may be some of your plans, some of your ambitions and desires. It may be your pride. I don't know what it is for you, but I know this. As long as you cling to those things, you're actually going to block the Spirit. He wants to overflow in us, but the Spirit will always come with permission and invitation. So here's my invitation to you. Will you empty yourself of whatever is blocking your relationship with God? And will you ask the Father for more? Church, Jesus promised us how much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? Let's say it together. Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Can we commit today to getting empty so that we get full of all of God's peace, all of his love, all of his joy, so that no matter what's happening in our lives, whether it's good or bad, God can soak us with his spirit. Amen, church? I want to pray for us right now. Father, we come to you today and we ask that you empty us to make room for your spirit. We have to let go of things. Lord, bring that to mind for the people under the sound of my voice. The spirit already knows what it is. Empty us of our flesh, fleshly desires, Lord. Things that block us from experiencing more of you that will keep us from experiencing the fullness of what your son Jesus died on the cross to give us. And then on the other side of that, Lord, we ask that you fill us, that you fill us with all that your spirit is longing to deposit inside of us, your joy that becomes our strength, your peace that never ends, your love that is abounding, Lord, your grace, your faithfulness, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. We want to expand so much more so that we can be empowered to do things that we wouldn't be able to do without it. So we thank you, Father, for this opportunity to empty and ask. And we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.